And we have to just do one at a time. And then we can start to add those on. And that, especially when it comes into the scaling part of things, we, we hear a lot about scaling. It means all sorts of things. But scaling, we know, means that you are increasing your revenue without increasing your time. And expenses are not increasing at the same rate as the revenue is increasing. And so that's really our goal for our businesses. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad to have you here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guests. <laughs> I have two of them today. Is Carmen and Deidre. Thank you so much for being here with us, ladies. Thanks for having us. We're super excited to be on the podcast and have some great discussion today. Awesome. So give us the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. So Carmen and I are both business strategists and coaches. Um, I am a CPA and I spent over 20 years in public accounting and then decided to repurpose myself into just a business strategist with no more tax deadlines. Hey. <laughs> and I'll let Carmen uh, tell you a little bit about her background. And so I have a corporate uh, marketing history of 25 plus years. So I bring that to the table and I'm also a whole person certified coach and an online business manager. So we have pooled our uh, expertise and created a holistic program for our our clients that we absolutely love. And we work with uh, female entrepreneurs who are in the over 40 range. That's our target market. Very cool. So I'm going to back up the bus a little bit and go back to kind of the the history that brought you here. So Deidre, you made a, fan, a fascinating point to me that you used to be a CPA and you've become a strategist, which I find funny because I always say I can find a handful of CPAs that actually work on strategy and it drives me crazy because I think they should. And so I'm delighted <laughs> you have seen the dark side and come over to the strategy side of things. What made you decide to, other than no more deadlines, which I can totally appreciate, uh, other than that, what made you decide to take the plunge? Well, from an early age, I had entrepreneurial DNA and I didn't know it at the time, but I did. And so I had done all of these side hustles. And as I got older, I realized that I was never going to be happy unless I was doing my own thing. Um, so I knew that I didn't want to die at my desk, like they say most accountants do. And so I decided, okay, I've got to try to do something else. And I was given a push into entrepreneurship when my husband had a medical event happen and he was going to be out of work for weeks to months. And so my good uh, professional salary was not going to quite cut it depending on how long it was going to be. So I had to come up with something. So that's when I really started my side hustle and got serious about it. And I started out actually selling products in the e-commerce space and at amazon.com because it was the only thing I could do that could be done on weekends and evenings and not break my non-disclosure, non-compete clause that I had. So from there, I met a lot of entrepreneurs and I was like, Ooh, I love these people. I'm one of them. And then they started asking questions when they found out I was a CPA. They're like, Oh my gosh, you understand finance. You understand numbers and we do not. And so it's where my coaching business started and consulting 
just helping those people because they didn't know. And I'm like, hmm, this is way more fun than what I'm doing during the day. I think I'm going to go here. And so I did. And it morphed from e-commerce into service-based businesses because it's really where my heart is, is for the service-based entrepreneur. And I had then met Carmen and realized that we could really, I wanted to do something much bigger but I wasn't sure how to do it on my own. And then I met Carmen and that's when we came up with Encore Empire and we're able to make a much bigger impact together. Nice. I love it. So we will get back into kind of the nuances between between product services or product-based businesses and service-based businesses. <laughs> I always want to squish that all up into one word. But in the meanwhile, Carmen, I'm going to go get your backstory. How did you get into business coaching? Why was it a thing for you? So... I hit the midlife wall, I like to call it, at about 50. It was the same time that my daughter was moving out of the house and everything on paper looked fabulous, right? I had the great career and the house and the white picket fence and the uh, responsible daughter moving out and being a productive member of society and a dog and the whole thing. But I was like, is this all there is? And I, my career had been fabulous, but I was really burnt out and I didn't want to keep doing what I was doing exactly. And, and I wanted to do something that lit me up. And I'm like, how am I going to take, and I worked in a industry that's not common. So it was the high voltage electrical utility construction industry. So that's very specific, but there are tons of marketable skills and marketing was my, my strong suit. And so I was like, how do I take these marketable skills and turn them into something that can be a business for me that's going to light me up? Because I could have created a consultancy and done what I was doing, but I didn't want to do that. And so I at first was like, well, I need to figure this out and kind of looking at different ideas and realize that I really wanted to help women who were me. And that's pretty common with entrepreneurs. We usually want to help the people who are going through the same thing we are or that we did at one time. And I thought, I want to help midlife women who are deciding that now is the time, now is their best time of life. So I started a company called Midlife to Best Life. And that was my my whole purpose was to help them find their purpose and do all of that stuff. Well, that was fine. But when you get into the mindset of a lot of the midlife women, not everyone sees that the next half of life is the best half of life. A lot of people think, well, the best of my life is behind me. And so trying to help with mindset around that was really difficult. And so I'm like, you know, who are the women who are ambitious and who really get it? And it's like, it's these entrepreneurs. I've been taking all these programs, these courses and all these things to develop my skill set as an entrepreneur. And so I knew that was the market that I wanted to work with, work with. But although I had business, corporate business background, I didn't feel super strong in that. I felt great in marketing, but I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Can I call myself a business coach if I'm not feeling super strong in business? And then I meet Didra, she's a CPA. And so what did she do? She audited businesses of all sizes for 20 plus years. So it was just a match made in heaven. And uh, we met at an online conference, which was pretty funny. It was during COVID. It was supposed to be in person, but it was online. And pretty much things just flew, you know, sparks flew. We realized how much we had in common and we went for it. And uh, we've been going ever since. I love it. I love the combination of what you offer. And I I think too, it's so easy for an entrepreneur 
to get in the headset of everybody knows this. I don't have anything unique to bring to the table. This is too easy. I can't sell it. And then you meet somebody that just doesn't have that skill set. And all of a sudden it's like, ooh, this is a thing. <laughs> Maybe it's my magic power. This is awesome. I don't That's even have right. to think about it and I'm good at it. So you guys have a fantastic background in you've got the corporate <laughs> business background and marketing background. You've got the the kind of academic kind of background or the professional services kind of side of things. Like it seems like your business is extremely well-rounded for anybody that's in that phase of life to be able to go, Hey, I want to do something completely off the charts kind of thing, or what seems to be off the charts for them and to be able to bring them in. Is that true? Or do you have kind of a uh, formula that you want to bring people in on? So we customize all of our coaching according to the business. We believe that there is no such thing as cookie cutter. Um, and it, it really comes from me seeing so many businesses that on paper were alike. And yet they were so very different because the owner is different and the goals are different. And there's so many variables. So we decided that our program was going to use business best practices and the evergreen business principles that we all know have worked for decades, but yet we have also layered on top of that what's going on currently, especially when it comes to marketing, because that's always changing. And we are able to help someone define for themselves, like they think, oh, well, I see this other person doing it this way. I'm going to have to do it this way, too. But we have to take into account personality and we have to take into account the lifestyle that you want and how many hours do you want to work and how you know quick do you want it to happen? And there's so many things. And so that's really where we come in to help them narrow down, focus in and really get clear and build out this one offer to this one particular ideal client. And not that they can't have more than one, but everybody tries to build all five streams at the same time, right? They're trying to dig <laughs> the five trenches at one time and they're running back and forth and we have to just do one at a time. And then we can start to add those on and that, especially when it comes into the scaling part of things, we hear a lot about scaling. It means all sorts of things, but scaling we know means that you are increasing your revenue without increasing your time and expenses are not increasing at the same rate as the revenue is increasing. And so that's really our goal for our businesses. So whatever level, whether it's a boutique with a few helpers or whether it's an entire empire, which is why we call our business Encore Empire, empire can be, it can be a small empire, but empire just means that you are growing to this level of where you have control of the business, but it's also meeting all of your needs. It's meeting your desires and it's going the way that you want it to go. Nice. I love it. Do you have kind of the breadth and width of audience that's coming to you? Like are some of them ex-corporate, some in the, you said earlier that your preference is for the service-based companies, but what's their kind of experience coming into those businesses have they been doing it before and went, hey, I'm going to do it on my own? Or are they like, eh, this thing and <laughs> maybe I try it out? Yeah, it really runs the gamut. So we work with brand new startups to people who have been in business for decades. Right. And 
some of them are coming from corporate. Some of them are still in their corporate career and they're starting their side hustle and they're transitioning. Both Deidre and I did that. We both started as side hustle while we were in corporate for years and years and then transitioned over. So we have a lot of experience with that and we can share our, the help them get through the trenches, you know, a lot easier. But then we've got women who have been in business, like I said, for, for decades and they come in and they usually come in when something's just not working. We had one gal who she had an award-winning uh, branding agency. And when she moved to online and then COVID hit and all that, suddenly she's like, I can't, I don't know what's wrong. Everything that used to work isn't working. So we dove into figure out, well, what is it? And that's another piece. When we talk about that customization piece, you could have five brand strategists come to you and they all might think they need the same thing. But then when you get down into it, it's what is happening in that business based on what they're doing, based on what their goals are. And, you know, so it makes it so much more fun too, for Deidre and I to be able to really kind of alchemize the solution for each one independently. And, and so we don't believe in a cookie cutter framework, but like Deidre said, we do have the base business strategies that we work with that are, they stand the test of time. And we've got a learning center and people go through that and we uh, assign what they need at the time that they need it. So we help them no matter where they're at. And, and so we do, we have the, we have the experience with the people who are still in corporate, who have just left corporate, who've been in their business for two years, who have been in their business for 20 years. I love it. So um, just on a, <laughs> my personal curiosity, do you, I see most entrepreneurs go, Hey, I have a skill set in this. There's a demand for this. I think I want to start a business in this. And then some of them kind of go completely left field and go, Hey, I was thinking about starting a rabbit farm. Like it's completely insane and left field. Do you ever get any of those? And <laughs> how do you deal with them? Yeah. So we don't see the rabbit farmers as often, <laughs> it was but a, they, yeah, they do come around <laughs> And one of the things we encourage people to do is we we start with values. We be, we believe in two main things. Um, our philosophy is values and validation. And the values piece is where we're really ensuring that the business they're building aligns with their values. Because too many women will build a business that then they end up not liking, and they don't want to, you know. And then it feels like it's drudgery, like they just created a new job for themselves. Only now they're having to pay themselves for it. And so we really try to, to, and a lot of times they do want to do what they were doing before, just in a different way or working with different kinds of clients or just on their own terms, as opposed to what was being told to them that they had to do. Mm -hmm. And then we do have some that are, uh, we have one who she's a CPA too, and she's a mayor of a town and she is also a weight loss coach. <laughs> and so wow. she has done, yeah, like a complete total shift. Um, but it's what she loves doing. And so she has completely pivoted out into something completely different, but she's, you know, what we believe too is experience elevates everything. We are all, we are all bringing this experience of life and business into our businesses and they don't always see how it translates over. They think, well, I've never done this before. I don't think I can do this. You know, I can't be the CEO of my company. It's like, well, you've been the CEO of your life and your house and, and your kids and, you know, and you were president of the PTA, you know, you've done all these things right. and you were leading. And so we're just helping them translate and see themselves in this new role inside their business. Nice. Anybody that has more than two kids to me is like, yeah, you've run a company 
<laughs> like you will never encounter those kind of issues in a boardroom i assure you and if you can handle them at home you should definitely handle a boardroom exactly uh, i my i my utmost respect for anybody that can do i only ever had one and it was like nope <laughs> seven pair <laughs> seven adults around them at all times and like i don't know how people do this but i certainly appreciate the skill set involved so when it comes to somebody taking their skill set and they go hey i'm good at this i think i'll go out and start a business at it and to your point they basically buy themselves a job what kind of mistakes do you see them kind of bringing with them that they end up resenting the thing that they've created for themselves i think the biggest thing is it comes from lack of confidence and insecurity to step out into their dream because it seems crazy, right? Like right. I want to start a business and I want to be a rabbit farmer. Let's use that. And <laughs> someone's like, what? But you've been, you know, an accountant for 25 years. And like, I don't care. And if, when you think of something that's so extreme like that, it it's, that takes a lot of bravery. But what we help our clients understand is that when, and most of our clients aren't recreating their job as their business. They've gotten past that. But what can happen when, when someone does that is it's usually a lack of confidence and insecurity that makes you think, well, this is all I know. And they put it in the, this is all I know, instead of looking at it through the lens of like what I had to do, I had to go, okay, I have all these marketable skills. How do I translate that into something I actually want to do? And that requires digging deep into what the thing is. So for instance, my job was super high pressure and deadline driven. Well, I liked that. So I like that kind of high pressure stuff and attention to detail. And so you have to kind of look at what are you doing in your, in your corporate role that makes you so good at your job. Like, what do you like about it? What do you not? All of this kind of stuff. We also like to say we have the inside out approach. It requires going inside and doing a lot of brainstorming about what do I like? What do I not like? Why do I like it? And when we ask the question, why, you know, there's several levels of why, well, why do I like that? And you come up with an answer. Well, why is that? And you come up with an answer. You keep doing that. You go down about five levels and it's like, ah, that's what it is. Because how often do people stop and really examine their lives like that? They, they don't, we just don't. We're always going one thing to the next. We're under pressure. We're trying to, you know, get dinner on the table or feed the dog or get our exercise in or please the boss or whatever the thing is that we never stop to take time for ourselves. And that's why we like to cultivate an inside out approach where people do take time to look at what do they really like? What do you really want? And why do you think you want that? Like Deidre started with, sometimes we see people doing something out in the online space and we think, well, they're doing it that way. So that's the way I have to do it. Well, that's the way I have to do it just because someone else is doing it isn't the right answer, right? Someone hasn't taken time to really dive deep. And, and a lot of times they don't know how. So if anyone is in corporate and they're thinking about starting a rabbit farm or any other kind of business, and they want to do something completely different, we really suggest taking time to journal it or at least brainstorm, what are you good at? And, and don't only look at what you're good at in your corporate job. What are you good at in your life? You know, are you good at running your household? Are you good at managing 
whatever it is that is has nothing to do with your job. Like look at all your skill sets. That's what that experience elevates everything means is it's not just the experience of a job that you've had in the past. It's your whole life experience. So we encourage people to really look at that and look at why they like the things that they're good at. And sometimes I'm sure you've heard this too, is when we're really good at something, we don't recognize it, but others do. So what can you do that comes easily to you that others have a hard time doing? That's kind of your superpower too. So if you can tap into that kind of stuff and brainstorm, you can usually figure out something that really lights you up. And then when you come up upon it, even if it is rabbit farming, then figure out a way to do it because you can do it. I love it. So what about when it comes to the accolades? Because I know a lot of women in particular, guys are like, hey, I want to do this thing. Hey, I'm a superstar. I'm a rock star at this. And, you know, I'm the world's greatest. I have no issue with it, which I love and admire. And I see a lot of women going, I am never going to do that. And it kills their businesses because they don't know how to kind of translate those past skills into, I get it. You don't necessarily have the accolades in it because you were told you need to have a good degree in something in order to get a job in it. And I get that, but how do they, how do you help them to get over that idea that they need to have either the letters or the education or the, you know, Harvard business report saying you can do this. Therefore I get to. Yes, and we see this a lot. And this really is a mindset issue. And it is a, we have to cultivate a, a new self worth, because a lot of times we were getting some of our um, self worth was coming from the role that we played in another profession. And so we have to create that for ourselves. And we see that this is a, it's an epidemic, like when something's not working in, in someone's business, let's say that they're a coach of some sort. Um, and, or even if they're a consultant and things are not going, they're like, well, I just need to go get a certification. Once I get my certification, then it's all going to be fine. It's kind of, sort of like hanging your shingle right out and going, I'm sure the clients will just come, you know, if you build it, they will come and it doesn't work that way. And so it's like we hide behind the accolades. Sometimes we think that we have to have those because we're, we're afraid to say no one else has validated me. I, and, and we have to validate ourselves. And so that's part of this mindset and part of owning being the CEO and owning that role and, and realizing and stepping into your power that you have. And I think that it's when someone else, we hear this a lot too, they say, you finally gave me permission to be this person, or you've given me permission to go out there and to do something that I wasn't sure that I could do. And so I think as women, we, we do look for permission. It's sort of how we've been raised. It's how we've been conditioned and men don't typically have that. I need permission thing. They just pretty much do whatever they're going to do. Um, and that it's just a gender thing and it's part of our culture. And I think as women, we have to learn how to say, I don't, you know, I can give myself permission. I have the power to do that. Nice. I, I don't think people understand how ingrained that is. I remember watching soccer games when my son was little and or football, depending on where you're from. Um, and it was funny because at one point it was co-ed. I think they were like six or eight or something like that itty bitty. And they were super fun to watch. But the guys would just go head first, start kicking before they could even see the ball. And the girls are looking back at the parents and <laughs> going, you, you want me going there? Really? They're like, yeah, go ahead. It's okay. And, and 
we carry this in business and I don't think one that we get it. And whether it's cultural or it's innately female or it's whatever it is, there's still a way around it. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad because it can really hold us back, but that's also something that's so rewarding about the work that we do is we get to help people have those breakthroughs. And that's why we like to help women. We don't have anything against men, love men. That's great. <laughs> but you know, honestly, women are conditioned from an early age and it's getting better and better. But if you think back to your, the generations before, what did they have to, how were they raised? What was, you know, seen, not heard all that kind of stuff. We're still breaking through those kind of barriers. Yeah, I want to add one more thought to this too that yeah. we see is that we women have a superpower that they don't realize and that is relationship building it is something that almost every every woman I've ever met so far has this in her and it, there's a desire to build relationships we like community we want to support each other and I think that they see it they just don't see that as something that they can utilize. And it's not that we, you know, we don't have to do things that aggressive male way. And I think a lot of women are afraid of coming off as that. Like, they're like, I, I don't want to be like that. I don't want people to think I'm aggressive. Some women embrace it. They love that. that that's their persona. And that's totally fine. But a lot of women shy away from that. And they don't understand it. There's such a thing as quiet power. And when we use our relationship building skills and we understand the business of business and we have a strategy to follow, that's when we're using that quiet power. Like, you know, we can come out, it's like the storm that comes out of nowhere that you didn't see coming and, but in a, but in a good way. And I, and I think that once they see that they can do it their way and they can be heart centered, they can be kind, they can put people over profit. But yet we still have to have the profits. And when they realize that impact is driven by the income and then the income is driven by the impact, you know, we have to have both things. It's symbiotic. Nice. I love it. So can you give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients? Obviously it's not going to be right riches because they're already <laughs> successful in their own right, but maybe chaos to order or something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the best ones is the story of the brand strategist who she had an award-winning agency. Things just stopped working. She couldn't, she was like, I can't make a sale to save my life, you know? So we took a deep dive into what was going on and it really came, comes down to what's very similar to a lot of our clients. And that is getting super clear on your ideal client. So what can happen is if you pivot in any way from brick and mortar to online, or you're sharing a new offer or whatever it is, your messaging needs to pivot as well. And a lot of times we don't realize that. So that was kind of what was happening with her. So we helped get the messaging. We helped uh, with the ideal client. And so when she started, I remember she was, she was like white knuckling it, you know, she's like, okay, I need help. I need to do this. And we'd say, okay, well, follow this, do these things, track how many people you're reaching out to as well. And she's like, well, I know that I'm kind of, she, I remember one week she said something like, well, I think I reached out to 10 people and we said, well, great, but let's start tracking them to make sure. And it really turned out she wasn't reaching out to 10 people a week. It only seems like that because that's the other thing is sometimes outreach can be 
something that doesn't light us up, but it's part of business, right? And so we think that, oh my gosh, every for every one outreach like is like, <laughs> it feels like 10, exactly. So once she started tracking, because we're big on metrics and data and all that kind of stuff that's not as sexy as the boom, pop, wow stuff that you hear about online, but it's the tried and true business stuff. And so when she started tracking, it then became fun. So that's another thing we love to see is have our clients go from resistance with something like that to have it be fun because now she could see exactly how many people do I need to talk to, to be able to convert one into a sale. And so by the time she left us, she was, she was making $20,000 $20,000 sales, $50,000 sales. And so it was a huge rag to riches story. And, you know, we love that. And and we've had other clients who have double, tripled, and some even quadrupled their, their revenue. So uh, it's fun. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So when our listeners are listening to this and some of them are going, yeah, my revenue is totally not where I want it to be. Or yes, I totally feel like I'm having 10 meetings a week, it feels like 20, it's probably five. Uh, What are uh, some of the other struggles that they might be encountering that they're going, oh my God, I need you guys so bad. I think another, uh, one of the big things is it's productivity, right? We Mm -hmm. all, you know, take a million things about productivity. We read all the books and yet as a service provider, there are certain, depending on the type of service you have, One of the key things that most don't realize is if you are, you have to understand how much front facing time should you be having with your clients? And what does that look like when you're planning out your schedule? So if you're a graphic designer, for example, you have deliverables, you have work that you've got to do and produce. So that requires more client work time than if you're a coach, if you're a coach and you're doing one-on-one coaching, well, then that is less face time, right? We have to, um, We have to build in some things that are going to help us to leverage our time. And so, and also depending on the model, you may be using social media more to attract your ideal clients. You might be using networking and referrals more. It depends on your personality, depends on the service. So we, everyone thinks that, okay, I've got to do all these things. And so they, when it comes to marketing, they're spending all this time on marketing Then as they get more clients, more clients, more clients, what happens is they don't, they run out of time to do anything but the client work. They're spending 80, 90% of their time on client work. So they stop doing all the other side of the business. They just operations slow down. They don't do marketing. So then it's this feast or famine cycle that they get into. They get a bunch of work, they do the work and they get paid. And then they finish the work and like, oh shoot, I have nobody else. Who else now? What am I? So then they do the marketing hustle, right? And they got to get out there. And this is where we drain our energy so bad because then it feels so hard to do all that because you're, it's like pushing this giant boulder up the hill all, all the time only to see it roll down and you got to go around the other side and push it right back up again. And so definitely the curse of Sisyphus is <laughs> being on firm business going, but now I don't have the money to hire somebody. <laughs> exactly. No. Exactly. So we, when we have what we call rinse and repeat systems, it's really about having systems and about understanding what percent of time needs to be spent in these major areas of your business. And when you understand that, it's that's what helps you make decisions about, okay, I'm going to go over my percent of time, 
but we're being proactive about it. We're not being reactive about it. And then we can make some decisions. And it's the same with the financial part. They get a bunch of money in and go, great, I'm drowning. I'm going to, I'm going to get help now. And then they hire help, but then they're spending their time with the help. You know, it's just this circle that we go around and round in. So when we are able to plan ahead and we are reverse engineering backwards, like where do we want to be in a year from now in all areas? What are we going to need? What's required? Then we price our offers accordingly and we plan our time accordingly. And we're in the realistic zone, not in the, you know, oh, I'm superwoman and I can do all these things. I think that's the biggest part of in any stage. And it gets worse the more we scale, the more we grow. That whole cycle gets much more painful. Great point. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Well, we, one of our favorite things is to begin with the end in mind, and we would love to invite you to build out your custom marketing framework and create a simple to follow system to achieve your business goals in three easy steps. And we've created a special link for your podcast listeners, Michelle, and that is going to encoreempire.com forward slash BOP for business owners podcast. Yay. Awesome. (laughs) So we will, of course, have the link in the show notes. Go ahead and click on that link and open it up in a new browser because we're not done yet. You know the routine. <laughs> awesome. So I get to ask you ladies and I'll ask Carmen first. At what point in life did you know that you were special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? You already kind of told us a story, but when was that inkling of, you know, I think I might be able to do this. Yeah, I would say it probably started a little bit before 50, but right around there. And I remember when I I told my, I didn't understand or know about this whole on, online stuff. And one time I clicked on a Facebook ad and anyway, it sent me to this whole thing of these, all these online entrepreneurs. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at what is going on. And I, I remember telling my husband and my daughter, I'm going to start a blog. And they were like, they like rolled their eyes. Like, really? What are you going to write about? You know, like crazy old mom again, doing something nutty. But I, I was bit by the bug then once I clicked on that ad and I was taken to this program that showed me all these successful entrepreneurs that are some of the gurus in the industry. And I started learning what people were doing. That's when I did it. That's when I I was bit. Yeah. That's awesome. So I I got it way earlier than that. Um, I grew up in my household. My dad was an entrepreneur. So I kind of had an edge there because I I saw, you know, him doing it. So my very first uh, side hustle, which I was for sure I was going to become a millionaire off of, like no doubt, it was selling party light candles. I don't know if you ever heard of it. This was like, you know, one of those show home show things right and I loved candles and I'm like okay and I was building a team and I had like all these little candle hawkers under me you know and we'd meet and like send them out to do parties all over the place and I won a trip to Aruba because I was doing so well and I lived in this little tiny town like really small town so I wasn't even in a big city and so I was just, you know, for certain that I was, I was going to just make it big in this. And so, and I, and I, you know, that didn't quite work out the way that I thought it was going to work out. I wasn't in the right, um, you know, area of the country. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have enough population, but you know, I was like 24 and I didn't really understand all that just yet. 
Um, but that's when it started. And, and from that point forward, I, I w- went ahead and I was the good girl and I went to college and I got my degree and I got my CPA, you know, and I followed the path that I was told was the secure path that you should go down. Um, but all along the way, like I, there was, I was very restless in, you know, in what I was doing, I was doing it, but I just knew I'm like, you know, one of these days I'm, and I would see all these other business owners and I'm like, I'm going to be them one day, you know, and when I come up on the right idea. So yeah, I had it early on, but it didn't really bloom until I was in my forties and I got that little nudge to have to do something. I love it. And who doesn't like candles, right? I'm totally with you. I'm thinking that's got to be a, the, the secret to success is in the smell. <laughs> Awesome. You ladies have been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Just do what you want to do. Like if you have that dream, you have that dream for a reason. And I think that's another thing that people discount. Like they think, you know, like I tell the story of my, my husband and daughter, are like, what, what are you going to write about? But if you've got something burning inside, try your best to ignore all the naysayers and follow your dream because you can make it come true. Nice. I love it. And I would say to don't accept the limitations. Like we, we place these on ourselves. We, um, we say, oh, well, you know, I've only ever earned this much and I, I, I can't see myself earning more. Um, so I think sometimes we put limits on how we can grow our business. And I would just say, uh, to push, push the envelope and decide what you want first. Don't worry about how you're going to do it. Just make the decision and say, this is what I really, really want. So that way you're not selling yourself short. You'll find the way. And if you can't find the way, then you can, there's a lot of experts out there. We're happy to help you find the way. There's a lot of other wonderful entrepreneurs out there that can help you find the way, but definitely uh, like make it be what you want it to be and don't settle for anything less. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Are you running a business over seven figures, but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.